Good afternoon everybody and welcome to Transcending Together with Julianne and Lee. Good afternoon, beautiful and amazing human beings. Julianne is in the house. It's a hello from me. And it's a hello from Lee. How are you all? I've had quite an amazing week and weekend. It was Pride in Surrey this weekend. <laughs> Lee, how you been doing? Yeah. In a while. Nothing. We missed last week, so it's good to have you back. I missed you last yeah, week. Thank you. I've just been melting. I can't believe I was born in Africa and lived there for most of my life because I think the last 20 years have made me a bit soft. I just melt in the heat. Yeah, well, hot weather is a little bit different when you've got a swimming pool that you can just jump into or see that you can dive into that's not minus 12 degrees. Yeah, well, I've been making good use of the outside spa. So outside that's been spa? Nice... Tell me about that. What's this? Well, What's it's this? just What's a this? spa bar. <laughs> it's just a round, it's like an inflatable pool, but it's Ooh. connected up to a pump and it jets out like a jacuzzi kind of thing oh, and nice. you can warm it up but i haven't bothered putting the the warming on <laughs> and the water's been like 30 degrees so it's just been a nice way of cooling off after a day at work yeah i lived with some friends a year or so ago and they had a spa bath and i i have to say i mean it's just isn't it just the best thing like that like hot jets like massaging exactly. your body and it was back yeah. in, back when i used to play rugby and it was like the best therapy ever yeah it yeah. is really so no cool. that's been that's been the highlight of my week and weekend oh awesome that's really cool so we have been thinking about a very interesting topic now i've talked about michael tellinger before and when we were talking about slave species of god and that whole discussion around were we dumped here did we evolve or were we engineered and michael tellinger for the most part he's a very interesting archae well his background is archaeology and i first came across his work when i read slave species of god and those of you who are loyal listeners will remember that we I talked about this before where he was telling how when he worked for one of the big mining companies in South Africa, it was always surprising to him that they came across gold mining activity that had happened before Anglo-American England and America getting together to go and rape and pillage and draw out of the African continent all of its wealth and so he worked for anglo-american and he worked on these mines and they used to come across stuff in these mines which was what has now become known as ooh parts which is out of place artifacts things that just shouldn't be where they are one of those things and i've talked about this before is the clock Clarkstorp spheres and feel free go ahead do a google search and you'll be absolutely fascinated by these things but this is stuff that's found many many thousands of meters below the surface and it just shouldn't be there and one of the things that he came across was these old mine shafts that just shouldn't have been there and that's where he started working on his thesis and talking about the fact that 
He believed that somewhere in our distant past, someone was mining gold. And he did this whole tie-in to the Sumerian tablets because there was some correlations there. But that's not actually what we're going to talk about. So we're going to talk about something slightly different, but it comes from the same place. Lee, have you heard about Michael Tellinger? I think the, the first time I heard about Michael Tellinger was when you spoke about it in one of our shows. And... I quite like the idea of where he was coming from. So I haven't read the book yet. It's on my reading list, but I think that's something just right up my alley, that kind of thing. Right up your alley. What do you mean? Well, in terms of the question about where have we come from? What is our history all about? (laughs) And where have we come from? Where have we come from? Do you know what? I don't think I've ever, I, I, I think you've always responded to what I've said, but Now that I think about it, I don't think I've ever actually asked you where you think we come from. So, Lee, where do we come from? I think that we have been engineered from the Anunnaki and other entities. I I don't follow the Darwin evolution thing. I think our DNA has been purposely manipulated and that's where we come from. Yeah, I think we're kind of on the same page there. And hopefully, listeners, you know that Lee and I don't necessarily come from the same place on everything. But I do think that we are an unusual species when it comes to this planet and what we do. And we talked about this a while ago where we were talking about why do we need sunglasses and why do we wear clothes and why aren't we adapted to the environment in which we live? And that leads into the thing that I want to to talk about today, which is why do we exist in a society where there's no other animals have to pay to exist? So the question then becomes why as human beings are we required to pay to exist? What do you think about that, Lee? that's That's a good question. And yeah, why? Is it, do you look at it as a membership fee that you have to pay to belong to a society and you get some kind of benefit from that? Yeah, that's a good point. My dad always used to say, my dad was a big golfer and he always said, you pay your annual membership fee and then you pay your green fees. So you pay to earn the right to participate and then you pay to participate. The other thing which he used to say is no one would play golf if there weren't water hazards and bunkers and rough and all the rest of it. Personally, I like to think I'm fairly adept at most sports and I've achieved a level of social acceptance in just about every sport I've ever tried to play, be it squash, tennis, hockey, rugby. I have to admit that golf was never one of those sports that I've actually ever achieved any any level of capability. Have you ever played golf, Lee? <laughs> <laughs> I've tried to. A couple of years ago, the job that I was working at, a lot of people used to live quite far from the office and they would travel and they'd spend two or three nights near the office. And they used to stay at this one hotel complex that had a golf course and they were always off playing golf and they'd invite us all around for like team building and things like that. And I'd, I'd have a go at trying to 
whack the ball, but I didn't really see any point in it as far as sport goes. You hit a ball, you walk, hit a ball again, and it's not my cup of tea. Yeah, it is a bit pointless, isn't it? And yet, a friend of mine once said, the frustrating thing about golf is that it is the only sport where you are stationary, your ball is stationary, and your target is is stationary yet it's one of the hardest games to play and I just I could never play the game yeah when I was in banking of course everybody played golf and we were expected to do it and I just never could I remember saying to a caddy once what do you think about my golf game and he said to me I'll tell you when I see it <laughs> oh, I could keep us busy all night with my golf jokes. <laughs> and, and that was the polite version of what he said to you. No, that's exactly what he said. He <laughs> said, I will tell you when I see you playing. <laughs> I haven't seen you play. And we were on like the 17th hole or green or whatever the thing is. Now, I um, must say, I do enjoy watching golf on TV. The sort of like, you know, the Masters and the British Open and things like that. I enjoy the the concept of it and I don't mind watching it. Top players and stuff like that, but as a sport, no, <laughs> not for me. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, it's an interesting sport. We have digressed, however. We were talking about the fact that my dad used to say that golf is a good reflection on life because you've got to pay your annual fees to have the right to participate and then you have to pay to participate and it's an interesting model and we were talking a little bit about Michael Tellinger and his ideas so through all the stuff through all his research so he started out researching the origins of humanity and it led him down a particular rabbit hole which eventually came to the idea around money what is money why does it exist and what is the purpose of it and we've talked about this a couple of shows ago where we talked about the gold lenders and the fact that you toil the earth and you produce a product let's say for example chickens and you are limited in terms of the barter system if you happen to have chickens by the fact that you can only exchange those chickens for something else if the person that has the thing you want wants the chickens so the idea with money was you could sell the chickens to someone who might need the chickens another time or whatever it is and they will give you gold or silver and you can then take that gold and silver and use it to pay for something somewhere else so you sell your chickens and you go and buy a nice side of beef <laughs> for argument's sake <laughs> and so money did actually have a purpose in so far as it took the inefficiencies of the barter system out of the system and enabled people to produce things that they're particularly good at producing sell their output for a defined token and that token could then be exchanged for something that that person actually needed so somebody who was selling chickens didn't need to find somebody selling beef who needed chickens so to 
that extent, money did have a purpose. And it's kind of where Michael Tellinger starts to drift from the general consensus in terms of the economic system in which we exist in. And this is probably a good time to go to a break because we are almost at that time when our commercial partners need to come and tell you about their chickens. I hope you need chickens because they're going to come tell you about them. See you on the other side. Oh, I love this. We continue in moments. This is good. Yes, yes. You're locked to Trans Radio UK. Many website owners don't like their website hosting company or support provider, but are too scared to move to someone else in case they lose their site or it affects their business. Based in Telford at Purple Prince Media, we will move your website to us free of charge with the best support possible. And if you're looking to start up a business, we're also here to design and build your website from the ground up with unbeatable prices on web hosting and dedicated servers. We're also certified Magento developers, which is the world's biggest e-commerce platform. So rest assured, your online business is just a click away. Drop us an email on hello at purpleprints.co.uk or visit purpleprints.co.uk to get started. Purple Prince Media, the local website company. Ever thought about having your own radio show? Well, now you can, as we're looking for presenters to join our team. No experience is needed and minimal equipment required. For more information, email info at transradiouk.com. Transradio UK. Tune in via DAB in Ireland. Download our app via your smart speaker or online at transradiouk.com. Malcolm here. Don't go anywhere as we bring you some more trucking, great music and jazz here on Trans Radio UK. Welcome back, beautiful and amazing human beings. I hope you're still with us. Lee and I are on one of our random walks again. (laughs) Well, I am. I don't know. Lee's probably on point. She's very focused about these things. So we were talking about Michael Tellinger. We were talking about money. We were talking about exchange. And something that I've been thinking about this week is the idea that the importance of sport from a mental health perspective and Michael Tellinger's concept he calls it Ubuntu contributionism now in African parlance Ubuntu is the tribe it's togetherness it ties in with what Lee was saying a few weeks ago which is if you want to go quickly go alone but if you want to go far go together and Ubuntu is all about going far together and the idea that a community is greater than the sum of its parts I think that's what you were saying Hayley that Do I get that right? Yeah, absolutely. And another way of looking at the word Ubuntu is I am because we are part of the the community and such. I really like that. That's a new one. I I am because we are. (laughs) You know, since you told me if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. I actually used that at work like the next day. Fantastic. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And what have you just said now? Because I need to write that down. The African philosophy of Ubuntu can often be translated as I am 
because we are. Yeah, because we don't exist as an island, right? We are interconnected with each other. We can't achieve on our own. I might be good at a particular thing. And to a certain extent, I try to bring this into the work that I do as a project manager, where the analogy that I tend to use is I am, if you imagine like you're watching a Western movie and you've got the stagecoaches going through the Wild West and you've got the stagecoach driving driver whose single role and responsibility is to drive the horses right so you've got your cargo in the back you've got to drive your horses that's all you want that person focused on and next to him you have the person this is where the expression riding shotgun comes from is you have a person sitting next to them whose role it is is to shoot away anything that might prevent the person from getting their precious car go whatever it happens to be from point a to point b and i've always taken that as my responsibility as a project manager is to ride shotgun and run interference so that people who are more capable than i can get on and do the things that they need to do and i don't want them worrying about the bandits up on the hills that's my job their job is to keep the horses running straight and get us from point a to point B. And I know that sounds somewhat circuitous and possibly not related to what we're talking about. But I think the point here is that I believe every single one of us has a unique contribution to make in the society in which we exist. And one of the things that Michael Tillinger talks about, and I'm going to try to get Michael on our show, because I would love to have him on our show. And I think he would would be be absolutely awesome to talk to. And I do have his email address. I'm going to try now that I think about it. And I'll send him a copy of the show to say, look, we love you, Michael. Come and we talk do. to us, Michael. <laughs> we South Africans also. Come talk yeah. to us. <laughs> we are part of the diaspora. <laughs> Come talk to us, Michael. Oh, that would um, be awesome if we could get him on. Yeah, I think we need to try. Okay, I'm going to take that as a project. But what was I talking about? I've completely, <laughs> I've gone all fangirl when it comes to Michael <laughs> Tellingen. I've forgotten what I was talking about. I was talking about we all have a function to provide in society. And one of the things which he talks about is he talks about the fact that every single person, and this goes back to what I was saying earlier about the mental health benefits of sport. There is also a mental health benefits associated with work. And I do believe that the idea that you can be paid to exist without making a contribution, I don't think that's right. Yeah. I know it's controversial. I Yeah, and I'm actually going to agree with you because it's the unfairness of it that gets to me. You haven't done anything to earn that, whatever it is. You... You haven't contributed, so why aren't I getting it? I've contributed, I've worked hard, so that's where I think it all comes down to the fairness of it all. I don't think it's about, I've done this, so you must do that. I don't think that's what it's about. I think you do what you do because it helps you advance and be the person 
you want to be. I don't think we have the right to put that obligation on someone else to do the things that you're doing. But I do feel like part of the malaise that is afflicting this country at the moment is there is an expectation. And the way my dad put it, and he's no benchmark in great fatherhood or, or, or a great person. We had Caroline on the show, so we got her perspective on it as well. He wasn't exactly a great man but the one thing which he always said was the thing which astounded him was in the 1800s you had the idle rich and the 1920s you had the idle rich you had people who didn't really do much but they made money and he always lamented the fact that there was in current society we have the idle poor and that's an interesting thing I mean I've always been a socialist and you guys know I'm a socialist and you know I'm by no no stretch of the definition am I a capitalist. But I do believe that everybody needs to contribute. You live in a society and you ought to be providing a contribution to the society in which you participate. The idea that an able-bodied person, I say able-bodied, don't get me wrong, I'm not talking about the DWP and their fit to work and all the rest of it. But I will be honest with you, I know people who can ride a motorcycle for three hours and yet they are not fit to work. You cannot operate a motorcycle for three hours if you're not fit to work. I'm sorry. And I work my off only to come into Facebook in the evening and see their pictures about where they rode their motorcycle today, a working day, on benefits. And they've got a nicer motorcycle than I. They live in a nicer place than I. They don't pay for that. And I'm a little bit off about it. What do you think, that's, Lee? Well, that's what I meant when I said the unfairness of it. That's the point that I was trying to make. The Tell unfairness of it. Well, like you've just said, it's like they're not making a, a contribution, yet they've got a better bike. They live in a nicer house and they do nothing except ride around on their bicycle, but they can't work. Motorcycle. Motorcycle, sorry. <laughs> Although, to be fair, these days a bicycle costs about as much as a motorcycle. And it does make me ponder about this whole idea around if there are mental health benefits associated with playing a sport, are there not those same mental health benefits associated with doing a productive endeavor? Whatever that thing happens to be. And this is where Lee talked about when she qualified as a radiographer and you were sent to the boondocks you were sent out into the bush why was that why, why did you end up sent out there i mean surely you had a choice about where you were sent well all the good jobs went to those that got the good grades <laughs> they all got whipped up by private practice radiology clinics and things like that and the riffraff were left with working in government hospitals <laughs> so that's why i got sent out there oh okay i thought it was because south africa implemented national service for those people who had participated in medical practice through universities so it wasn't related to that no this was before that community okay. service kind of thing yeah 
It was just so, before that, yeah. Okay, all right. So in South Africa, if you do a medical degree, the state actually pays quite a heavy subsidy for you to do that degree. And I would imagine it's the same in this country as well. I mean, I know whatever your position is on university fees and, and all the rest of it, the reality is that £6,000 or £3,000 a year isn't enough to pay for someone to become a qualified medical practitioner. So there is a subsidy from the government associated with the activity of becoming a doctor. What they did in South Africa is they said, okay, if the state is going to subsidize your education, you should return that to the state with two years worth of community service or national service, if you like. It's kind of like the non-military version. And the one thing which came from that, which I remember speaking to many people who were at first very upset about the fact that they would have to work for the state for two years. Most of them at the end of their national service were overwhelmed by the positive impact that they had made in the communities in which they were sent out to serve. And it left me thinking about whether or not you should stop there. Why stop at the doctors? And I'm going to leave us with that as we go into the next break and we going to come back to this after these messages oh i love this we continue in moments this is good yes yes you're locked to trans radio uk are you trans and non-binary and feel like drugs or alcohol are impacting your life negatively why not check out trans sober we're a grassroots peer support group for the community by the community Find us at www.transover.org and join us online or come to one of our weekly drop-ins. We also offer other useful resources. Trans Radio UK, a global radio station the whole LGBTQ plus community can be proud of. Did you know you can advertise with us for less than a pound a day? Call 0207 856 0584 or email sales at transradiouk.com. Win £25,000 and help truck listens at the same time. Enter the Rainbow Lottery and click Truck Listens as your chosen organisation. And not only can you win £25,000, 50p of every ticket purchased will go to Truck Listens. Please see www.transradiouk.com and click Win £25,000 for more details. Trans Radio UK is on right now. Across the UK and beyond. Now, now, more of the music you love. Trans Radio UK. Welcome back, beautiful and amazing human beings. I hope you had some time to reflect over the break about the various different things that we were talking about. Now, one of the things that I spoke to Lee about during the break is I said to her, when we come back, I'm going to ask you to tell me about what you thought about the idea of national service for professional people like doctors. So I think it's a wonderful idea. From a skills point of view, you get a lot of opportunities to practice those skills. Like the example that I gave when I was working out in this small rural town was I was the radiographer. So I took the x-rays and a radiologist is a doctor who has specialized in reading them. Now, the closest radiologist was about 150, 
50 kilometers away. And there I was, brain spanking you. I had just qualified and I didn't What's have. What's that? In Imperial? <laughs> How many <laughs> kilometers did you say? 150 kilometers. Okay, it's about it's about 100 miles. Okay, carry on. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I'll and... stop interrupting you. <laughs> And there was there was like no support whereas my colleagues who were working in the big city hospitals and the private hospitals they would because in those days it was actually film x-ray not like these electronic ones and they would put a, up an x-ray and the radiologist would go no can you do it again it's too light it's too dark and i had nobody and i tell you what i had to learn so quickly to like up my game and things like that and there were other valuable things and talking about a, a community and how a community can come together in a time of need so one of the examples was that the nursing staff staff went on strike and basically it was an entire shutdown of the hospital because the doctors also decided well if the nurses aren't working then we're not going to work and the whole community the whole town came in and stepped in while they were protesting about whatever they were striking about and people in the town were in the hospital laundry doing laundry they were in the kitchen cooking meals for the patients they were looking after the children and just doing basic care and it was through the contribution of the town that that hospital carried on functioning and that's an example of first-hand experience that i can say it's one of those community teamwork makes the dream work is what i oh always say oh my goodness oh my <laughs> goodness <laughs> stephen covey there yeah like the pyramids were built with teamwork and slave yeah. labor but <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting what you say though because this is the truth whenever i have encountered and spent time at a very agrarian level so strip away your western concept of society and when i was living in zimbabwe after i finished my a levels i spent a couple of years working in the community and i think one of the things that really struck me was the extent to which these people really look out for each other but for some reason when you lay a capitalism over that it becomes something else and it brings me around to thinking about how we bashed our pots and pans for the NHS during COVID but we're not ready to take to the streets because the Tories are destroying our NHS and that type of community level activism what you're talking about is you're saying the community was activated because they knew they needed these things to happen and yet in Western society currently we don't have that community spirit we have people no, we who yeah we have people who have an entitlement to benefit from the state without making a contribution to the state and the tories tried to do this 10 years ago and it was poorly implemented but i do think the idea was correct and if i were ever not that i would ever because i have far too many skeletons in my closet but if i was ever prime ministeress of this <laughs> country <laughs> One of the things, like my thing is, right, okay, if you're on benefits, you go check in at the job center every morning, go clock in. You can do it virtually. I clock in virtually. So I'm not saying you have to get out of your house. I demonstrate to my employer that I am 
at work by being present on emails and responding to things and a ritual of demonstration of contribution. For the most part, it's because I just have to. I wake up in the morning and I've got 17, 18 emails that came in overnight. I need to respond to them. So for the most part, it's not a fatuous exercise of just demonstrating, oh, look, here I am. Here's an email from me. It is a contributory factor, but the reality is that I do, virtually or otherwise, I do demonstrate that I have arrived at work and I am doing stuff. And I honestly believe, and I know this is going to be controversial, but I honestly believe that every single person on benefit should be required to clock in at the job center every morning to see if there are any assignments which they are capable of fulfilling. I'm not talking about fit to work and those sorts of things. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying take somebody who has physical mobility and assign them the task of cutting the grass in public parks. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is that people, even if they have physical mobility issues, are capable of contributing to society. And if every single person on benefits provided a respondent contribution to the council to which they are receiving those benefits from, we wouldn't need the Circos and the Capitas and the Infosys and all of these offshoring companies that provide all of these services. We wouldn't need them because the reality is this country has people able to do certain jobs, jobs that they are eminently capable of performing. And every council has a a wide array of functions that they need to perform. Some of them, yes, cutting the lawns in a public park or tending to the flower beds or tending to the the gardens on a roundabout. You need to be physically capable. Absolutely. So don't send someone in a wheelchair to do those things. But just because you're physically unable to perform those functions, there are functions that you are able to perform which a council requires to be done. And I think one of the biggest problems we have in this country is we have people who believe they are entitled to receive an income from the state without providing a contribution back to the state. And that really bothers me. Yeah, I love it. I'll definitely be voting for you for Prime Minister, Rees. <laughs> I think you're absolutely right there. And a thought came to me about the so-called gig economy and the way the traditional workplace is changing. And while it's a double-edged sword, the gig economy, the concept can be related to what you are saying in terms of what can you offer? I can make sandwiches for the local school or whatever the case may be. It's a contribution. You've got these little gig big roles to play, but you are contributing and you're providing value to other people. That's so important. Yeah, making sandwiches at your local state school, providing lunches. It's like schools are required to provide a lunchtime meal for children who come from families that can't provide that meal. I'm up for that. I agree with that. But wouldn't it massively reduce the cost to the system 
if those sandwiches were put together by somebody who was receiving a benefit. And let's be honest here, you're sitting in a wheelchair, you can put a sandwich together. I refuse to accept that you are unable to provide a contribution to society. And like you said, linking it back to the mental health benefits of a contribution like that. It's like, well, I made sandwiches so the kids didn't go hungry. That's a valuable contribution that you have made with your time. That's something to be positive about and to feel good about being actively involved. In it's got to make you feel good about yourself. It has to. Absolutely. And there has to yeah. be a positive mental health benefit associated with that activity. I refuse to accept that sitting on your ass or sitting on a motorcycle jaunting around Sussex while other people are actually working hard. Yeah. I Let's go to a break before I say something that'll take get me taken off air. Oh, we can't have that. <laughs> <laughs> but I am on a bit of a soapbox today, and I'm quite aggravated. So, sorry guys, but we'll see you after the break. Oh, I love this! We continue in moments. This is good! Yes, yes! You're locked to Trans Radio UK. If you're transgender, feeling lonely and don't think there's any help available, well now, Trans Radio UK have truck listens. A confidential phone service just for you on 0800 009 Talk for some time and you're feeling good It's gone so much better than you thought it would And you really glad you went with me Go on, make that call. It's a small price. To talk to someone who's both sympathetic and empathetic, call Truck Listens. 0800 009 6640. Truck Listen, 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 listen. Did you know we receive no funding here at Trans Radio UK? To keep us on air and growing, we rely on donations. To donate, please head to www.transradiouk.com and click the link. A regular payment of £20 will see you become a partner of Truck. Other options are available. Email info at transradiouk.com for details. A big thank you from all the team here at Trans Radio UK. The world's largest radio station for the trans community. Trans Radio UK. Welcome back, beautiful and amazing human beings. And I'm sorry for my little rant as we went into the last commercial break. Lee actually asked me during the break, so who's peed on your battery today? (laughs) And it wasn't actually today. It's something that's been in my mind for a long time and I think it's one of the things that is often used as a battering ram to dispel the benefits of a socialist society. The point with a socialist society in its purest form is that every single person provides a service to the community in which they participate. Whatever that service happens to be, every single one of us, if we're honest, if we are cognitive 
we can provide a contribution, whatever it happens to be. So regardless of our physical constraints, perhaps, even mental health, let's be fair, I'm not going to argue with this. When I'm overwhelmed by life, the last thing I want to be doing is engaging with people. I get that. I absolutely get that. But I want to live in a society where if I'm at that point where I am unable to engage with society because I'm overwhelmed, because stuff's just got on top of me and I'm not able. Yes, I'm physically able to do stuff. But maybe my contribution up until that point in time has been a certain thing. And just for now... What I need to do is I need to just take some time out. I respect that. I, I don't have an issue with that. Because if we're honest with each other, we all know that life can get on top of us. And we can become overwhelmed. And I have been overwhelmed. I, I'm not even going to begin to tell you <laughs> how many times I've had people come to my place of residence and check on me because they are concerned for my well-being. I've been there. I have been there. And I will be the first to admit that life very often can become overwhelming and difficult. However, when it is not that, in those moments when it is not so overwhelming and where I feel I am unable to contribute to society. Because I, I love shutting myself in my room. I wish I could do it every day. I, I'm not going to lie to you. But then I also... What gets me out of that is the knowledge that there are people and projects and stuff that I do. People depend on me. People need me to do certain things. And that's what tends to bring me out of my shell and enables me to face the next thing and it's that community and it might be my work it might be my friends it might be any number of things but there are people that want me to exist for whatever reason and that is the thing that keeps me here because if I didn't have that, if I didn't have people saying we, the world would be worse if you weren't here, those are the things that remind us why we need to be here. So whatever it is that we are doing, whatever it is that we are capable of, we can do that thing. However simple it is, it is worth an immense amount to someone who needs that in that particular moment and lee is going to tell you about that <laughs> that's like a big well, download of personal experience there well i i have to agree with you in terms of my own mental health struggles the thing that kept me going was the fact that i had a job to go to every day and yeah i've been working online for seven years now but it's that check-in that you've got to do, that virtual check-in. It's the responsiveness. It's the communication and things like that. But it, it was like if prior to this, when I actually had to go into an office, that was the thing that got me out of bed in the morning. Otherwise, I'd still be lying in my bed to this very day. It was something that gave me purpose. Well, I've got to get up and, and go to work and contribute. And there's people relying on me for the next stage of work approval or whatever it might have been. 
so yeah, I mean, I, I can I can totally see eye to eye with you on that one. And I think the thing to remember about this contributing, it can be contributing your time, your skills. It doesn't necessarily have to be labor, but it could be something else. And in return, you emphasize that mutual cooperation where individuals work together for the good of the community, like I did when the nurses went on strike. That was for the good of the community. The one thing which Michael talks about is somebody, you might be a brain surgeon, so you consider top of your profession, but if on your way to perform brain surgery, you have a flat tire and somebody stops to help you change that tire, does the person who helped you change that tire, have they participated in the life you might save when you get to the hospital? And I think that's one of the things that really sticks with me is we all think that certain qualifications and certain roles in society are fundamentally important. But if we don't have those people around us that can do something as basic as change attire, those people that do things like operate on somebody's brain can't do the things that they do. And we were talking about division of labor. I can't remember. I was having a conversation with someone about this and I was saying that I don't resent... I think we did talk about this. This was on our last chat. And we were talking about the fact that, yes, you, Lee, might not be able to change the washer in your tap. But you are providing a service to someone else. And in return for the service that you provide to someone else, they give you tokens that you can then use to give to someone who is capable of changing the washer and the tap. So you don't have to know how to change the washer and a tap. There's no problem with you not knowing how to do that. If it was the end of the world and society had come to a standstill, you probably would figure it out. But that's not the point. The point is, in the normal run of society, you are providing a service to the company that employs you to provide your intellectual capital. In return for that, you get a certain number of tokens. And if you choose to use those tokens to give to someone who is able to change the washer, good for you. Because you're passing those tokens down the chain, aren't you? you you're sharing. And yeah. the idea that one role is more important than another, I think that's... And, and that's actually, and I know we, we're kind of running out of time here and we'll probably need to come back to this and I'll probably, hopefully, next time we come back to this, have Michael with us. But the point is that I run a £24 million project and that project is paying £10 million in labour charges to people who are doing work that are delivering software that does a particular thing and my job is to manage the assignment of those roles and responsibility and i can't do what they do it goes back to this whole point about the the stagecoach i can't drive the horses i can't drive the stagecoach my skills my particular skills lie in riding shotgun i'm the one that eliminates the threats to delivering that particular thing. My role is no more important than the person 
who's driving the stagecoach. And I think that's kind of the point that I want to make here is that none of us are more important than the next person. Brain surgeon, yes, they might be remunerated well, but at the end of the day, if they have a flat tire and they don't know how to change that tire and they can't get to the surgery, all of those skills are pointless. Or if their car breaks down, it's like you cannot detach one role in society from the other. And those of you out there who think that it is okay to not make a contribution to the society in which we participate in, I'm calling you out. I am. I'm not going to dress it up. I'm not going to put pretty flowers on and everything. I'm saying to you, get off your asses and do something. Well, mind you, you don't even have to get off your ass, do you? No, you don't. That's the <laughs> Engage your fingers. <laughs> Help me, Lee. I'm going to get banned. I'm going to get thrown <laughs> off truck. <laughs> No, I don't think so. But the point is, like we said before, it's you can contribute in so many ways just by giving your time. Everyone's got various skills that we can contribute to. And just coming back to the principle of Ubuntu that we spoke about, which is this African philosophy, I am because we are, the whole point of it emphasizes communal values mutual respect and shared responsibility. And I think that's the key word there, responsibility, mutual responsibility, shared responsibility. Yeah, we can't just, I've always had this thing, every pound that I am paid, I want to make sure I've earned. Am I paying my way? And I don't know if it's an African thing. I've always had this work ethic that says, if you're paying me, I mean, I, I had a situation on my project where I picked up an anomaly in one of the billing criteria and I saved my employer £600,000. Now, I don't get paid that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm not, nice, <laughs> yeah, I'm not complaining about what I'm paid. But the point is, in that moment, I added at a minimum, minimum, six years worth of value just because I have a postgraduate Still. diploma. I, well, I have a postgraduate diploma in strategic finance and I looked at it and yes, having that is not a requirement of my job, but it just happens to be something that I have. And I looked at this and I said, hang on a minute, we've got a vendor here and they're trying to charge us this. But if you track back, they should be charging us that. Nobody else picked that up. I did. And I added that value. I took that £600,000 and I gave it back to the organization that I work for. I'm not asking for that. What it says, however, is that we all have a contribution to make. Whatever, whether the thing that you're doing saves somebody £600,000 or £60. Doesn't matter. The point is, every single one of us has the capability to deliver value to somebody. And it doesn't, it can be through charitable works. And this is my challenge to every single one of our listeners who's on benefits. What are you doing with your time? What are you doing to contribute? And I'm not calling you out because you might have this or that 
or another challenge in society. What I'm saying to you is, what are you capable of, whatever it happens to be, and what can you do for your community? Because you cannot, and I will never, ever accept that there is nothing that you can do. Julie out. (laughs) (laughs) yeah for me just in conclusion this this concept of contributionism that we've been speaking about in a way it's a vision for a world where every voice matters every culture is celebrated and every contribution is acknowledged and it's a journey towards a more inclusive and harmonious world yeah and if we can do that we can deliver love And we can deliver light. And with that, it is a goodbye from me. And it's a goodbye from Lee. Bye. (laughs) Bye, everyone. Thanks for listening.